listening to the podcast From Now to Next. I'm your host, Erica Rooney, wife, mom of two, chief people officer, entrepreneur, and fitness fanatic. In my career, I have worked with and seen so many women who are itching to break through the glass ceiling and create the life they want to lead. But what I've found is that it isn't always the glass ceiling that holds us back, but rather it's our own sticky floors. These sticky floors can be limiting beliefs, such as I'm not qualified enough. I don't have enough experience or the right background. I'm not the right, air quote, type of person they want. It can include toxic behaviors. Think perfectionism that prevents progress. Think wine Wednesdays that turn into everyday stress relief or even those deadbeat relationships that no longer serve us. If this resonates with you, then you're in the right place. No matter who you are, where you are in your life, or what you do for a living, the stories that we will cover on the pod will provide you with practical, proven, and purposeful steps to clean up that sticky floor, bust through the glass ceiling, and take you from your now to your next. Welcome to your favorite podcast for women from now to next, the podcast where we dive into the sticky floors that hold us back from breaking through the glass ceiling. So I am your host, Erica Rooney, and today I have Galen Sankey with me, and Galen is the HR Chief of Staff for a Silicon Valley startup, and this is a new role for her, so I'm super excited to hear a little bit more about this and dive into that with her. But previously, she's held different roles within HR and employee experience. She is the mom to a handsome little five-year-old boy. She's lived all over the place from New York City to Atlanta to San Fran, all the way to Shanghai and back where she finds herself in Austin, Texas. So I may personally hold it against her that she is a University of Georgia alumni because y'all know I'm a Florida Gator, but... A lot of cool things to say. I'm excited. Gross. I should have looked at that before. <laughs> I know. So, Galen, it's so awesome to have you here. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am good. So, let's jump right in. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and how you got into this new role, what this role is, how it's how it's going so far. All sure. So, I got into HR like everybody else did by accidentally falling into it. Uh, <laughs> So funny, most most people coming out of school now are like, I majored in HR. And I was like, you can major in HR? That's crazy. Right. But, but I, I I actually worked at Sears in Athens, Georgia, because I went to Georgia. And my boss asked me if I could do cash register training. And I was like, sure, I can do that. And I literally, that turned into 15 years of l and I mean, it was literally like, that was how I got into HR. So thank you, Kathy Moorhead. That's uh, your Athens. But yeah, so I've been in, in all aspects of, I've, like handle all aspects of HR over the last 25, almost 30 years, L&D, um, workforce analytics, business partner stuff, ER, all that good stuff. And this role came about, I started at my company in October of 2021 uh, as an HR business partner leader and just realized that the CHRO needed some more bandwidth. And like I told her in my first month, I was like, you need to be like making decisions, not hearing the conversation that leads up to what those decisions should be. Like there is no need for you to sit for four hours of meetings when somebody should be presenting you. A, B, and C, we recommend B, you pick one, let's go. And so 
startup is gritty, it's fast, it's messy, and it's really scrappy. And so I did start up in the early 2000s and I really loved it. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I got into this role. I did learn that startup now is way different than startup then. Startup then was with a bunch of Gen X people who worked until they passed out. And now we have a lot of Gen Z folks who are very much interested in like self-care. And you're like, hmm, that's a concept. Like they're not going to work until they pass out and which isn't a bad thing, but it's definitely something different. I've never thought of that, but I believe that you're absolutely right with that. Because when I think of startups, I think of people working out of their mom's garage with old school computers, just nonstop 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like we've seen such a shift where people are like, no, I'm all about my self-care and doing myself. And so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, like, hey, I'm going to be late to a meeting out of yoga. And you're like, me as a Gen Xer who we just work until we die. We're like, wow, A, we're jealous. And then we're mad. And then we're like, gosh, I wish I could do that. And then we think we could do that. But that's just not how I programmed. You're like, how? How yeah. do you do that? Me. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll all take a lesson. That's actually a really good one. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, you and I have talked about this whole concept of sticky floors. So I want to hear about your sticky floor moment and what kind of that is when you hear that. Mm -hmm. So when I think about sticky floors, I think about two things. When I think about myself, I always think about, I feel like when I was born, my parents took one look at me and said, oh, she's so cute. She's going to be so bad at math. Like that was literally ingrained in me since, since I was ingrained. And I had great parents, right? Don't get me wrong, but they weren't good at math. And so ever since I was little, it was just kind of expected that I wouldn't be good at it. And so I wasn't good at it. I got bad grades in math. And so when I got to college, it was never even a consideration that I would consider any major that had anything to do with math. And as, as a matter of fact, my choice of major was literally what's the least amount of math I can do. And it's English literature, by the way, in case you needed to know. And so that's what I majored in. And that's the only reason I don't love literature. I just didn't want to do calculus. Right. So that followed me through my whole life until I was, I was at a it for 12 years and I was offered a role doing workforce analytics. And I was like, that's crazy. Like I can't do numbers like that. That's not me. But I took it anyway. And I was like, what? what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Nobody's going to die. I'm not a brain surgeon. It's fine. And I took the role and I ended up loving it. I love data. I love cutting data. I love finding insights in data. And data is not exactly math, but it's definitely something obviously with numbers that's more, yeah. that's more great. And so that's the thing that I think had I not had that sticky floor my entire life would have changed the trajectory of my whole life. Like, I think I probably would have been a doctor. Like, I really, really, yeah, I like, I dream of giving stitches to people. Like, I want to, I know, I think I'd be an ER doctor. But I was like, I can't do that chemistry math. That's crazy. That's really interesting to think about because I'm very much like you in the fact that like I cried over the multiplication tables. Like my mother loves to tell that story about how I would just be in tears, insisting that there was no way that I could learn the multiplication tables. Like you, like there's a lot of things that I think I just discounted for myself because I was like, math is not my thing because it doesn't necessarily come super easy to me. Like, I still have to think about, like, what's seven times three? Like, it doesn't just pop into my head. I right. think about it, but it doesn't mean I can't do it. Yeah. That's yeah, very I remember speaking of multiplication tables, the sevens. Oh. So I could not get my sevens. Yeah. And one day in third grade, my teacher said, okay, Galen, stand up and do your sevens. And I was like, can't do it. I started stuttering 
oh. that day. And I had a stutter for like the next couple of years. And it was all around the sevens, which sounds a little bit crazy. But yeah, I, I still have to think seven, sevens or 21, 28. Like I still have to do that too. But for some reason when I have data and I, and I need to find insights and create an opinion or a hypothesis and figure out if it's true or not, it just works for me. So I really think I probably missed out, but I've also had a really great life and everything's great. But right. Yeah. Absolutely different for sure. Yeah. What's also really interesting is so I was aimlessly scrolling through TikTok the other day and I watched a TikTok and it told there was one that was telling a story about a kid in high school who just always skipped class, was not this good kid, air quote, and never turned in their homework, always had bad grades, but like had to go take the SAT, promised his mom he would go take the SAT. So he went to take the SAT, got his scores back, and he ended up having like a 1450, like a crazy high score without studying right off the bat, right? And his mom was like, you cheated. Like, I know you had to cheat. <laughs> you have all these D's and F's. And he's like, I swear I didn't cheat. He's like, there's no way I could have cheated. I tried to cheat, but the bubbles and the Scantron and like, I just couldn't do it. So like, that's my score. And he was completely shocked. And he kind of felt like, oh my God, like I have a 1450. Like I should like go to class if I have a 1450. Like I'm smart. Right. Yeah. So his senior year, he started going to class. He went to community college and ended up being like this su successful entrepreneur. Um, but at some point in college, he ended up like his first year of college, he got a letter that said that there was like one group of kids that actually got the wrong SAT scores mailed back to them. And he actually got like a 700. So he actually got a terrible score on the SATs. But because he saw this 1450, he all of a sudden had this newfound belief in himself that like, I can do these things. Yep. And he started applying himself and became a very successful person. But it's like, we, we give ourselves these beliefs that we're not good at math. Like you said, from the moment you were born, you were like, yeah. we're going to be good at math. And because you just took that to be true, you never actually stopped and challenged yourself. And yeah, maybe it would have taken you a little bit more work. Like you said, the seven suck, but they're hard. Yeah. <laughs> but like you would have gotten it. And also at the end of the day, how many times does a, an anesthesiologist or a surgeon do their seven multiplication tables? Right. Not very often. Right. I mean, I went, I went through, so at Georgia, I dropped out of college algebra mm. like four times and I got to my senior year and I was like, okay, I need to take something else. Like I can't pass this class. I went to the dean and I was like, look, I have completed 99% of my coursework to get a degree. Can you please just give me some other class to take? Anything. I don't care. And he said, sure, you can take symbolic logic in the school of philosophy. And I was like, thank you. Like, I was like, okay. And I, so I ended up being really great at it. But like, that's, that's how far I went to not take math. Like, I literally went that far. And thank God I did because I would have graduated without it. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, he said, he said, I will let you take symbolic logic, but promise me you will not go into anything banking or medical. And I was okay. Cause he knew I was like, I can't do math. And he's, he's like, like no. trying to protect the world from you. Literally. <laughs> he's like, please don't, please don't go into banking medical. Or I think, I think, or maybe it's like finance or medical. I was like, done. Yeah. Done. And uh, yeah. And then I'm sitting there doing, I think my first job out of college was doing payroll. And I thought to myself, wow. <laughs> I hope I don't mess this up. Which is also a lot of math, right? And a lot of making sure the numbers are correct. Oh, for sure. For sure.
photo I'm interested to see. I'm kind of interested to see how this will go for you like in the next few years because you have a five-year-old. I have a seven-year-old. He is starting to come home with math now. And it's basic addition, subtraction, and he's starting in the second grade to get into a little bit of multiplication. And and I am having anxiety over if he's in the second grade learning multiplication, what is he going to be learning in the fifth grade? And like, how the hell am I going to do that? Because like, I haven't done, I can't do long division. This is me saying, do it. I'm going, I'm totally diving right into this sticky floor again. But it's like, I use my iPhone here for every damn math problem that I come across. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And I'm glad you're bringing it up right now because he starts kindergarten in the fall. Yeah. And I don't want to just say like, my ex will handle the math because they're really smart. Right. But like. I don't want to say in front of him, I'm not good at math. Like I definitely need to try and like do it until I prove that I can't. Although I will say like back in the day, my dad helped my brother. I remember with fourth grade math and he ended up failing like his assignment. And my dad was like, oh God, like this is bad. But to your point, once you get to the college algebra or just general algebra, I don't know. I don't even know what calculus is. Like I really don't. I have no concept of what it is. And so when I think about it, I'm just like, I'm good at geometry. I'm going to go Yeah, tutors. Like, I feel like my kid's school should probably offer like a math 101 night for parents. <laughs> right? There's some sort of weird new math now where you have to, like, there's a new math. I haven't explored the, new, we haven't gotten to that level yet. But yeah, there's new ways of learning things and stuff like that. But to speak to your point of like, I try to be very, thoughtful about what I say to my kid instead like you said of not just jumping in and being like I'm not good at this or whatever like we practice a lot of uh, we do hard things that's right. what I like. we always do hard things and I try to equate it to things that he loves so he loves baseball he loves basketball he's pretty good at them now when I remind him like remember when you first tried basketball like you sucked at it like you did not get all the shots in but you practice and you got better so we focus a lot on doing hard things when he comes home with some of this homework and he's got these like big things to do in the second grade right right that's yeah that that, but it it has to be a conscious thought right because at some point and like you said like we always it was always just I'm not good at math I'm like Number one, why do we just always say that? So like, yes, some things come easier to me than they do others, but that's mm-hmm. the case for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the other, the other sticky floor too, for me is I'm a very direct person. I'm very blunt. I'm very to the point. I'm not very emotive when it comes to just feelings in general. And I was an intuit for 12 years, very special place, super glad I was there, but they beat into me. Like you've got to frame up your conversations better. Like you can't go in with your guns blazing. You can, you can say something in the right way to get what you need or what you want without being so direct and blunt. And at first I was like, screw you guys. Like, this is me. This is how I am. But for 12 years on every annual review, Galen needs to bring people along on the journey. Galen needs to soften her approach. And I did a little bit. And so thank God I did. But then I realized after I left that like, I didn't really need to soften it that much. Like that was just the company that was now did it. Culture, yeah. So I spent 12 years really suppressing myself to be successful at it to it. And I'm glad I did it. But after I left, I was like, oh, I can be authentic other places and it's appreciated. So, so there's that piece too of there's the fine line of like fitting into an organization 
and being true to yourself. And how do you walk that line without being insincere or without people hating your guts? And it's tough. It's tough. And that's, and just out of curiosity too, do you feel like because you're a female that when you were being so direct that it was like very apparent versus being a male or was that just the entire culture? It was definitely the entire culture, but I was told just a, that's a good question. I think it was the entire culture, but I think when people meet me, it's, it's less about that I'm a female and more they're like, you're in HR. Like (laughs) we don't have HR people like you. Or when I see friends from high school or college, like, Hey, what do you do? I'm like, HR, they're like, are you effing kidding me? You do HR. Like, it's just not the usual. So I think it's less the female thing and more just, I don't, I'm not the, the cookie cutter, Uh like fluffy and emotional. I don't, I don't plan parties. I'm not on the fun committee. I'm the, I was kicked off the fun committee at my current company. Like I'm the anti-fun committee, but I'm just not that person. Yeah. We, I work a lot with our people on being direct, but being kind, right? Right. And and that's a hard one, I think, for our people Mm -hmm. Uh, and just people in general too, when they have to give sometimes tough feedback, like, and being direct can be kind and is very kind, but a lot of times people aren't used to that. They think that if you're direct, you're being mean. And it's like, that's not, that's not it at all. Like I am trying to be as clear as possible. Right. In whatever set expectation is. Right. I found having those difficult conversations is actually one of my most finely honed skills that I have. Yeah. Not that I look forward to them, but I'm not afraid of them at all. Yeah, And I love going into a conversation with like a direct and saying, hey, I have some feedback for you. You can take it or leave it. Not all feedback is good feedback. And that whole like feedback is a gift thing is bullshit. Like it's yeah. not all good feedback, but I'm going to try to give you good feedback and you can take it or leave it. And an annual review conversations, like you've done an amazing job, but I'm not going to spend the next 45 minutes telling you how great you are. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what you need to improve if you want to get promoted this year. I like that frame. And I also kind of love how you talked about how at your one role, like it was not that great to be as direct as you are, right? Like it was seen as more of like a flaw and that not all feedback is good feedback because that is a very big part of who you are, right? And like, it just didn't fit there. That's that whole square peg round hole thing, right? So like finding the right place where you can be your authentic self. And I think that's super key because I got some feedback one time that I needed to dial it down, right? I'm a very, <laughs> I see your face, right? Yep, I'm a very loud, expressive person. Like I tell my husband all the time, know what you signed up for because this is yeah. me. Yeah. And I heard that and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to tone it down if I want to be taken seriously. And I remember talking to my mom about this and my mom literally was like, fuck that. Like, sorry. Yeah. She literally was like, Erica, that's bullshit. Like, that's not who you are. Yep. You're very expressive you have a lot of energy you're very energetic and those are all good things that person just may not be your kind of person and you don't have to fit everybody and I was like damn that's good advice and I was like yeah fuck that like I am like I'm gonna be louder just me and I enjoy that piece of me but it's so interesting where like you said you get that and I just I need to remember too that not all feedback is always good feedback it's, it's not people see you or see a certain role or think how you should act at their company or whatever is not necessarily what you need to be doing. Exactly. And it, but it's, it's taken me and I'm not going to say how old I am, but a really long time yeah. to figure that out. Like that's the one lesson I wish I would have known 20 years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, this happened to me like two years ago. So yeah, like, but it's still, you hear that immediately and you immediately think like, oh, I need to change or I need to do this instead of looking at the fact that like my energy can be very infectious in certain places and is really a strong asset of HR. And there are HR people who are very quiet and that's great too, but like it takes all kinds of kinds and not everybody's going to be your tribe. Exactly. It's a, it's a good mix to have all those folks and it's just me and I can't, I can't fake it anymore. And after that, that 12 years there, I was like, I need to find a company where in the interview process, and that's like the first place I learned I was in like in my forties, it was like, when I'm interviewing, I'm interviewing for me to like them. Yeah. It took me years to figure that out too. Like all these life lessons that are so important. That was a very hard thing for me to learn too. That like, just as much as they are interviewing you, you are also interviewing them. Totally. Like, do I really want to work with these people? Like, And I think, too, one of the things that I can do really well, which can be harmful to me, is very much so be a chameleon. Like, I can very much change my tone, what I say, how I act, depending on the atmosphere I'm around. That can be good, right, in certain instances. But when I was younger and interviewing for jobs, like, I could barely quickly read the room and figure out how I needed to change however I was presenting myself or what I was saying or how I was talking so that they would like me and accept me and give me the job instead of looking at the situation and being like, what, maybe this isn't exactly the best place for me because I'm not being my authentic self. And that's just like in life and dating and marriage too. I mean, like the big lesson, I wish I could teach every young girl, like if like be yourself and if they don't like you, bye. Like, but yeah, that's, that was, it was, it was, it's a lot of interesting big lessons that as you get older, you just realize, wow, like, yeah, these things have shaped my life and I am where I am and I'm happy, but like, can you imagine knowing all that when you're young? Oh my, I mean, whew, I don't even want to think about it. Around the world. <laughs> and even yeah. talked about like the love life aspect of it. And that was like totally dinging something in my head where it's like, I totally did that when I was dating. And like, totally. and so I would be like, okay, they really like football or this, that, and the other. Like, I'm all into that. And I could be, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, I don't know, the real true Erica. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like here in Austin, everybody kayaks and like, stand up paddle boards and hikes. And I'm like, I just want to be in air conditioning and I'm not going to hide that. I literally want to be in air conditioning pretty much 24 seven. So no, I'm not going hiking with you like ever. Yeah. And it, I don't date much, but I'm, I'm very, all the people you want to date are all inside. (laughs) They're not out there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I love it. No, that's so interesting. No. And one of the questions and I'll ask you this is like, if you were to ask the Galen from 10, 20 years ago, like, what is the one thing you would tell yourself as it relates to, and this week, we talked about two really good sticky floors here, right? The I'm not good at math sticky floor. And this is really kind of, this is me sticky floor. What would you tell the Galen from all those years ago? What's the one thing you would tell her that now that you have everything? Uh, probably two things. One would be, the thing we just talked about, which I just now actually realized is probably the big one. Like be yourself and others will adapt. Yeah. If they don't, they're not, it's, it's not the right place. And then the other one is like, just, just like the Nike ad, just do it. Yeah. Like try it. Unless it's illegal <laughs> against your morals, it's going to end up on the Wall Street Journal and your grandma's going to be ashamed or 
you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Who cares? Just do it. Like nobody's going to die. And I, I try to tell the folks that, that I work with, like I have a, I have a few HR folks that are much newer to HR than I am because I've been around since the 1800s, but they, uh, they have a little fear in them of like messing up or a little fear of like, I don't know enough. And I'm just like, just do it. Like, you're not going to get fired for making a mistake. Like, do this. If you're, if you're on the up and up and you're like telling the truth and have good intentions, let's do it. Let's talk about what's worst that can happen and try anything. And that's the piece I wish people would really catch on to. And I wish I did earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's something, and I've said it a couple of times on this podcast is like, I always try to ask myself, what's the worst that could happen? But now that I've had this conversation with you, I realize one of the gaps is I don't ask my kids that. Like I kind of shelter them a little bit. So I think like my gem that I'm stealing from this whole little power hour with you is feeding that into my kids as well. When they express some kind of hesitation or fear or concern, I'm going to be like, what's the worst that could happen? Are you falling, you skin your knee? Right. Yes, you don't make the team, but what if you do? Right. Yeah. So my son uh, decided when he turned five that he wanted to learn how to chew gum. He, he, he's wanted to chew gum since he knew what gum was. It was his thing. I don't know why. And I, he like, I looked online. It was like, kids should be at least five. So I was, I was telling him, you have to be five. And the rules are, I have to be with you. You can't get it without me. You can't do it. Like if you're playing all these rules for gum. And the other day he was like in the back of the car. He's like, mommy, can I have some gum? And I said, no, we're driving. And if you start choking, I won't hear you or see well, you. Yeah. Like, mommy, I promise I won't choke. And I said, look, the worst thing that could happen in this situation is you die. You are not chewing gum in the car right now. Oh. He's like, and so that's how I've been parenting, not outwardly to him, but like, as he was learning to walk, as he was learning to do these things, like he's on the playground and I'm like, freaking out he's gonna fall and bust his head open but i think to myself i can't make him afraid of everything right yeah. and so that's kind of how i've been parenting in my head without actually saying it but that's a good thing to bring it up and they're like i'm like i'm scared like what's the worst thing's gonna happen yeah you'll get your feelings hurt you'll skin your knee like if the answer is you'll get hit by a car then yeah we're not gonna do it that's not it right but like that's a great question for a lot of folks to ask themselves a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Galen, where can people find you if they're just like, like me, where they're like, you're so awesome. You're so cool. I want to connect. Where can they find you? I am on LinkedIn, Galen Sankey. I'm the only Galen Sankey on the planet. So um, that's probably the best place to find me. I do have a TikTok that I use for work purposes. Okay. I did a lot. Yeah. I made a TikTok for a performance management conversation last year because I was just like, I need something quick and easy. And it worked. And so my TikTok is G Money in Texas. All right. But yeah, so uh, LinkedIn and I love to connect with folks. I don't get to do enough networking in the role I'm in now. I'm 100% remote too. So I, I love to to talk to people and hear from people. Perfect. Well, I'll drop all of that in the show notes so everyone can reach out and connect to you. But thank you so much for your time. It was awesome chatting with you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast from now to next. You can follow me for more content on Instagram at from underscore now underscore to underscore next Facebook. And my name there is just from now to next LinkedIn under Erica Rooney or my website at www.fromnowtonext.org. 
Make sure to snap a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach other women who might need the inspiration to get up and out of their sticky floor today.